We're going to continue our series. I want to play a video for you before we get started. And Ariana has that video for us. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting, it also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom, and his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others, like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the Apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. It's not a great video. Just a great understanding of what biblical peace is. We began this Advent series a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, actually, whenever we had the whole, it's going to be icy, no, it's not, maybe it will, maybe it won't. And we had like, there were like 20 people here. And I don't know, I liked it. 
maybe you didn't, but we did like this little group study thing, uh, you know, uh, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. But we began this series a couple of weeks ago, and uh, through Advent that, that is called the invitation, and I told you a couple of weeks ago that the word Advent, the season that we're in, in the church calendar, this leading up to Christmas, this word Advent comes from the Latin Adventus. And it means arrival. And what we do in the season of Advent is we take this time before we celebrate Christmas and we remember that Jesus has come. We remember, we look back, we think back, Jesus has come. And then we look with anticipation that he will come again. That this is what we do in this season as we, we hold these two things together. Jesus has come and he will come again. And we live in this in-between times where the kingdom has come, but it's not yet fully here. And this year we're looking at the invitation of the Holy Spirit through Advent. That's the problem with moving up. If you move up, you give no room. Um, we're looking at the invitation of the Holy Spirit, and today I want to talk about the invitation of the Holy Spirit to peace, that we who live in this in-between time live by the Spirit, and the Spirit's invitation, as the video said, that it would be a kingdom of peace that would never end. I don't know if that describes your life. Does your life look like a kingdom of peace that will never end? I mean, we, we look at this season of the year and uh, you don't have to look very far to see that peace is not exactly a word we would use to describe our world. I mean, so I, I searched online to see what the, the headlines are. And I mean, I looked at a whole bunch of different, you know, like different news sites and whatnot. What are the headlines? And the headline, the, the headline in the past week, you guys can probably all guess it, is the proceedings of the impeachment of the President of the United States, regardless of what you think about that, this is not a political statement, okay? Regardless of what you think of that, it's largely split, split the nation, and it's largely divided over political lines. We're not exactly a nation of peace, are we? I mean, and if, if we want to go a little bit closer than that, we're, we're in a season that's supposed to be peaceful, and yet it's so marked by an absence of peace. I mean, some of us are, are scrambling to finish a semester's work. We have a week to go, right? You got finals week, and you're like, just about done. But like, I don't know, when I was in college, that was the worst week of the year. You know, it's like I got like a week to finish all the assignments that I'm a little bit behind on. And I have to study for this final that's coming up. And that final's like, I mean, depends on the class, is a ridiculous amount of my grade, uh, like disproportionately so. Uh, I mean, some of us are wondering if we're going to get our Christmas shopping in. How many of you have your Christmas shopping done, honestly? Hey, all right, a handful of you. Some of you are so-so. You have a week and a half. There is a deadline. <laughs> there is a time where that, that comes. Uh, you know, um, some of us are wondering if we're going to be able to afford Christmas this year, if we're really honest. I want to get stuff for people, but I don't have the money to do so. Some of us are wondering how we're going to handle the kids over Christmas break. Right? Some of you are like, uh-huh. Yeah, don't remind me. The kids will be home. 
Uh, some of us are wondering where our next meal is going to come from. Some of us are, are wondering how we're going to stay warm as it gets colder and colder. The demands of the season continue to pile up, and, and yet as we look at our lives and as we look at the kingdom that we've been invited into, the Holy Spirit says, it's a kingdom of peace, that we're invited into peace. And I don't know how you hold these two things together, right? Like, I'm supposed to be a part of a kingdom that is peace, and yet my life doesn't look that way. I mean, how many of you, show of hands, how many of you would say right now you like lack peace at some level, honestly? That's most of us. The ones that are not, you need to like figure us out, help us out here. And yet the one thing that's clear in Scripture is that we are to be people who are marked by peace. How do we hold those things together? I want to look this morning at Matthew 1, and if you have a Bible, you can turn there. Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles. We come equipped for your Bible lackness. We have plenty for you. Um, if you need a Bible, grab one. If you have a portable electronic device that has the Bible app on it, you can also do that. Matthew chapter 1. It's pretty crazy that they came out with the analog variety of Scripture. That's always good for like about three laughs. Three. And we're going to look at verse, beginning at verse 18. And I'm just going to sort of like kind of walk down through this a little bit. And this is a story, uh, and, and I won't set it up too much. You'll, you'll, you'll see... Um, You'll see what happens. This is Joseph, Mary, Jesus. Here's how it goes. Beginning at verse 18. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Uh-oh. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. She had in mind, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now there's a, a, just a part right there where it says, that first line says, she was found to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And that would maybe make you think, oh, they knew in advance. But they didn't. That's just sort of a descriptor. And we get this next verse, and, and Joseph is going to be married to Mary. And the way it worked is that you would be pledged to be married. At that point, you are as good as man and wife. You, you, there will be a year of engagement, we'll call it. But you are man and wife at that point. And at, a, at the end of the year, you would consummate the marriage. If you want to know what that means, look it up, okay? This is like, we're leading up to Christmas. I'm not going to talk about that right now. If you want to know what that means, look it up. But they would consummate the marriage. So they are married with the exception of one thing. You can figure it out. So she, right, sex. All right, Evan said it. I'm trying, I'm trying to be good, man. I'm trying to turn over a new leaf. Um, so this year, she's pregnant. He knows it's not his. What happens here? Like, the right thing to do is to say, well, whose is it? 
And the second right thing to do is to go, you should go be with that person, right? Because it ain't mine, right? I mean, you're getting this, right? Like, this is a kind of a panic moment. Like, Joseph's life is sort of like being turned upside down, right? And I sort of read this, and, and, I, and I'm kind of like, okay, well, then how do you, like, he's going to get rid of her. And you sort of see some, something of his character, right? He's like, the right thing to do, he's a faithful man to the law, the right thing to do is to take her before the court and say, she's pregnant, and it's not mine, right? And expose her to tremendous shame. But what he says he's going to do, you see something of his character, he says, I don't want to expose her to shame. I'm just going to say we're divorced basically without cause, right? Like, I've just decided we're not going to do this. And she can figure the rest of it out. He's going to divorce her quietly. This is the decision that he makes. Can you imagine the inner turmoil here? You had a plan for your life. You are engaged. And now she's pregnant and it's not yours. All the plans that you had made, can you imagine? What would you do? Probably you'd do the same thing he's doing, right? Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In this turmoil, the Lord speaks to Joseph. He says, keep it. Keep her. This is my doing. Not only that, but like I said a couple weeks ago, they've been waiting 400 years for a Messiah, and God says, this thing, this is it. This is the Messiah. I mean, I don't know how you've, how you've thought about it. Like, nothing else has changed. She's going to continue to get more and more pregnant. You know how that goes. And everyone around is going to go, but that's not yours, right? Everyone else is going to look and, and it's going to say, man, what's wrong with you? Every other respectable Jew is going gonna, is gonna to cast judgment. Say, why aren't you divorcing her? She's an adulteress. It's not going to be easy. It, the easier thing really would have been to divorce her. But look at verse 24. It says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. And so in the face of all of this, the Lord's word to Joseph is enough to bring peace. 
that this isn't going to get easier, but that the Lord spoke brought peace. Divorcing her quietly would not have brought peace. I mean, it turned your world upside down. You were going to get married and you're going to turn her, turn her loose. If you divorce her by making a spectacle, it's not going to bring peace. It would have maybe, maybe made you feel a little justified, right? It would have made you feel like, at least I'm a respectable Jew. I did the thing that I'm supposed to do, but that wouldn't have brought peace. Taking her home pregnant with somebody else's child would not have brought peace, would have brought shame and and feelings of cowardice instead of peace. The only way this turns out as peace is the Lord spoke. Have you ever been in that space? Have you ever been in that space where everything about life is chaos and this seems insane? The Lord said it. And I've got peace now. Have you been in that space? I, I mean, when we were getting ready to move to plant this church and I was having conversations with people, uh, mostly it was them telling me how stupid I was um, for leaving the job, leaving the house and selling the house and all these things. I mean, it was most of the Lord had spoken. Like everybody looked at me like I was a moron. And not everybody. I mean, come on. There were some people that didn't look at me that way, but Jerry was one of them that didn't look at me that way. But people were like, what are you doing? This doesn't make any sense at all. And yet I had peace because the Lord spoke. I mean, maybe you feel the way he felt. I mean, I imagine there are some of us in this room right now, you're like, you know what, if the Lord would just speak, I'd have peace. But I'm dealing with something right now that, that I, I can't imagine a positive way through. I'm between a rock and a hard place. Maybe you're struggling with kids or a, or a job or career change. Maybe it's your own insecurities or surgery or illness. Maybe you're dealing with the upcoming encounters with family at Christmas. And you're like, I don't see a good way through this. I've had conversations with people in this room and you're between a rock and a hard place and you're like, God, if you would just tell me, if you would just speak, then I could say, well, God told me, but here I am and I don't know and there's no good way through. And here's the thing, the beauty in the chaos of your life right now in those spaces is that God did not leave you by yourself. That when Jesus left, he said, everyone who follows me, I will give the gift of the Holy Spirit. I will give you an advocate. I will give you a comforter. That the Holy Spirit will live inside of you and bring comfort. And for some of you, the Holy Spirit will speak into your situation. He will give you a word that says, okay, I can move on. I can move forward. The Lord has spoken. Sometimes what he gives us is his presence. Dare I say that may be better. That wherever we go, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. 
And the fruit of encounter with the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, and all the rest. You know that one. You see, the fruit of time spent in the presence of the Holy Spirit is, is peace. Maybe he speaks a word to you, but maybe it's his nearness. It's knowing that God has not left you that will bring peace. I feel a little bit like I, I want to tell you a little bit of what's going on just with me at the moment because I feel like it's relevant to, to this. I said to several of you this morning, I just feel a little hypocritical preaching about peace. Like, you know, my, about the past four months of my life have been nothing but peaceful or nothing close to peaceful, I should say. Work got really busy, and three weeks ago I wrecked a motorcycle. I'm in a boot. I can't drive. Can't fly. And I'm like, that that hurts me a lot. Like, I don't know what I would do if I couldn't get around on my own permanently. That That's just really hard for me. There's some probably some unusual attachment to being self-sufficient that God will deal with, I'm sure. And then on top of that, my grandmother dies last weekend. And I, I, we've had these conversations about, like, I just am in this space of, like, for about the past week and a half, I can't even get a handle on what I'm feeling. You know, like, like to have, a, I had a conversation with my son, and, and I'm like, you know, I, I don't know what I'm feeling right now, and I had a conversation with Jerry. I don't know what I'm feeling right now. It's so many things, and it's all wrapped up. And usually I'm someone that's fairly aware of what I'm feeling, but my life has not been marked by peace. And we had this realization this morning that, that I think uh, brings a little bit of clarity, and maybe it's the word of the Lord to us, but that it just seems as though the enemy is attacking us, that there's confusion why is it that I can't get a handle on what I'm feeling? There's confusion. There's all kinds of stuff. But my life is not exactly marked by peace. And I think some of you, you're like, don't tell me that. You're supposed to have it all together. But I think it's important that you know that. I, I really do. Like, I, I would never, ever, ever want to be somebody that looked like I had it all together. Because I'm like, just like you are. I find myself going, did God really say? I thought I heard God say. Now I'm not so sure. This has been my life a little bit. But here's the thing that I realize is that peace is what happens when you know that you know that you know that God has it under control. At the end of the day, in the moment that I'm in, chaos and everything, my whole life upside down, feeling like I don't know which way is north, and all of my rhythms are jacked up, and I'm somebody that needs rhythms badly. All this stuff torn upside down. The one thing I know, the bedrock is that God has not left me. God has not left you. Some years ago, I became aware that all this celebration of Christmas season is empty if we don't also look ahead to the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
that there's something about that word that the Lord spoke. It's great to have a word from God that, that He would speak prophetically to you, that the Holy Spirit would, would speak into your heart and tell you exactly what to do and say, what you're doing right now, that's exactly right. It would be great. But here's the thing. The Bible says that the greatest word that God ever spoke to humanity was on the cross. So that it's all worth this. How far will calamity and chaos go? Jesus had the final word, this far and no further. That's it. The Bible says Jesus himself is our peace. He is our peace. What this means is that no matter how chaotic your situation, no matter how far gone your circumstances seem, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, you can know that you know that you know that all things will be made new again. That because Jesus was raised, it doesn't matter how bad things look now, you too will be raised, that all things will again be made new. The blood of Christ speaks a better word than any word Satan ever speaks to you. I kind of want to conclude this. I found this, this spoken word video that really kind of brings the point home about peace. And, and I want to show you the video and, um, and then we'll close with, with some prayer ministry time. But just we'll, we'll show the video and then we'll close this up. It's back like it never left, it's that time of year again. I mean, it was hardly New Year's Eve, hard to believe that time is here again. It's supposed to be a snowfall, but this is where the perfect storm begins. I used to look forward to it all, now I can't wait for it all to end. <laughs> you don't understand. I've gotta find and pick all the right gifts, making sure no one's missed on my never-ending list. And I've got Amazon, but it's not Prime, so it won't come on time, forcing me to the store like it's 2004 just to wait in line. It's also lights on the tree and lights on the house and all the Hobby Lobby decorations she couldn't live without. It's candy canes and ugly sweaters, parties to host and get-togethers. It's centerpieces, gift wrapping, gift cards, and the list goes on forever. Can't sleep because of the stress and you're asking why I'm nervous? Well, you won't get it, but I'll tell you. You see, it all has to be perfect. I've got to get it just right to capture all the hearts and likes and thumbed up hands. How else will I know I've piqued the Pinterest of all my judges on Instagram? But what I don't understand is how my season of chaos could also be known as a season of peace. They say it's everywhere and all around us, but yet somehow it's so elusive to me. It's almost like every other card and every other song just serves as a reminder. Because they're all saying peace on earth, but that seems to be the last place that I can find it. But a part of me believes this isn't what you intended or invented. Because you crowned your son the Prince of Peace. 
And that's also why you sent him. Peace not just for one day or 365, but peace in the hopes that it'd be the posture from which we'd live our entire lives. But that's too much for us to embrace, so we avoid it like it's danger. Because we're more comfortable with the baby Jesus, that's why we keep him in the manger. But if we keep him as a baby, we're losing part of the story. Because when we confine him to a crib, we also rob him of his glory. He'll never grow up until we come to that tree and realize the star at the top is hanging there for you and me. Because when we chose our own way, we also chose to turn against you. And when we turned away, your enemy's what we turned into. But when your blood was spilt, peace settled the score. And when the stone was rolled away, peace ended the war. The Prince of Peace became a treaty who's designed to restore all the closeness in the garden we enjoyed like before. For so long we've been locked out, but peace unlocked the door. It gave us everything we lost and gave us so much more. That's the peace I'm holding on to. I can't grasp with understanding. It's the only peace of its kind to transform death into dancing. This peace keeps my heart like Mary in the midst of my Martha planning. It calms and quiets my soul in this season that's so demanding. So it's the cradle and the cross. Your peace helps me accept and believe it. So when you say peace be unto you, every piece of me receives it. <laughs>